0: Well, welcome to Transformation Intensive Movement 2, week 16, Jesus Calls Us to Follow Him. So I thought I would just introduce our time with just reflecting back on uh, my own prayer this week uh, with the passage actually about the rich ruler. I know it's a passage familiar to many of us and is in multiple gospels. But what was interesting for me as I was reflecting on this invitation to humility and then even the graces to know Jesus intimately, to love him more intensely, and to follow him more closely, uh, there was just something little I'd never noticed before in this passage. And so Jesus uh, uh, is approached by this man, and this is in Luke, the, the passage in Luke 18, and I think it comes actually with a genuine desire. And I think even as we think about that genuine desire for our, our hearts and our lives to be aligned with the kingdom of God, I think we can actually really connect with this person who has a genuine desire to know what it means to to inherit internal, eternal life. And so Jesus kind of questions like, do you really want to call me good? And then he starts going through uh, the commandments, things that would have been like standard, that would have... Uh, put him in the good graces of what good would have been considered. And this man, really, in, in as authentic as he could, he says, well, I've, I've done all that. And then Jesus actually gets to the heart of it. And he, he doesn't so much say, well, have you just done what you needed? But let me actually go for your heart. And that's when he actually asks him to sell everything you have and to give to the poor. Because that's really where he knew his treasure was. And what it says is that the man became very sad. And that's in all the the passages. Because this man actually had great wealth. And I think Jesus, in the intimacy of that moment, actually knew where that man's heart and loyalty was. And he was going after him in love. Another passage, another version of this says he actually loved him when he said this. And so he, he... this man is sad. But in this passage in particular, we don't see this man walking away, we just see Jesus actually looking at him. And it is when he looks at him and says, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And I just, as I was sitting with that, uh, it just struck me that this was not an interchange that Jesus was having to make him feel bad About the idols in his heart he was actually calling it out because just a few minutes later he says in this man's presence which it appears to be in this passage what is actually impossible for man is possible for God and so even as we grapple with the the allegiances of our heart this is actually an invitation a grace that Jesus wants to extend to us in this time And so I just invite you as we move from this invitation to humility, to this call that Jesus is calling us into to follow him, that he is the one that will give us that grace.
1: Good evening. Uh, If you don't know, my name's Adam, and uh, I'm going to lead us through uh, an evening examine. So if you want to, you can set everything aside. Uh, If it helps you to focus like it does me. Uh, You can have your prayer journal out just to note whatever comes to mind in your heart. Your desire to pray pray this examine indicates a deep interior desire to know God and to know yourself in a deeper way. This desire indicates God's presence right now and God's desire to enter into this prayer time with you. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to shed light onto this prayer time. For a moment, let yourself see through God's eyes as God welcomes you into his presence, as God gains an awareness of you, all your feeling, all your experiencing, Thank you, God, for spending this time with me. You may have experienced today all kinds of feelings and emotions, joys, sorrows, delights, disappointments. Continue to be aware of God's awareness of you. Find that God not only wants to know about your feelings, God wants to actually experience them. Allow God to see the mix of feelings you've experienced today. Specific feelings from today may arise. God wants to experience them the way you did. Let him. Thank you, God, for wanting to feel all that I felt today. Now reflect on the events of your day. Let them come to mind naturally and easily in whatever order. Where did I go? What did I do? Whom did I meet? What conversations did I have? What happened to me? Re-experience these events. Let any feelings come on their own. Feel free to express to God what was good, what was hard. God is listening right now. As you've taken note of all the goings on and feelings of the day, is there anything that you keep returning to? Something that happened? Perhaps an interaction, a person, a relationship, or a feeling that keeps drawing you back to examine more? What is that thing? Keep it in your mind with a word or an image. Take some time to pray with just that. Invite God to talk about it. What does it have to give you? Ask God what his thoughts and feelings are about it. Tell him what your thoughts and feelings are. Thank you, God, for the grace of learning, of knowing that you are always dwelling with me. Consider today what you've done for God. How have you lived the gospel message of peace, charity, bold love? Even this time for prayer is a gift for you as much as it is a gift to God. Saint Ignatius, after reflecting on the ways he made God a part of his life would ask, what more can I do for God? That word more in Latin is magus. This word carries within it the spirit of restless desire for greater things, such as living a deeper and more attentive life based on your prayer and reflection in the last few minutes, what more can you do in your daily living? What is the restless more you can take into tomorrow? God, thank you for these moments with you, for the joys and struggles of today, and for the gift of compassion. Help me take the grace from this prayer and the restless magus I yearn for, and live tomorrow anew in a spirit of greater awareness. Amen.
2: text for that examen is in your prayer resource section. It's called an evening examen in case you would like to return to it. I'd like to introduce to you week 16 Jesus calls us to follow him which starts on page 92 but before I do that I want to say just a little bit about last week and about the two standards. I don't know what your experience has been, but I find that that particular week of prayer is, for me, sort of a head start on Lent. Um, I just become aware of how real the battle is between those two value systems in my life. And, um, you know, I think I've uh, maybe pressed through and won the battle at certain moments in my life, and then I find that I am engaged again. So this is not a one and done sort of engagement with these two standards, it's something that we continue to choose. Uh, I was reminded of a passage of scripture I memorized as a child, Uh, I was probably 15, Um, the devil uh, uh, roams like a lion seeking someone whom he can devour, resist him, firm in your faith and he will flee from you, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. And how much th- those things are together, this uh, influence that we have from uh, the value system of the world uh, that's all around us and the call to the kingdom, they, they stay in conflict. Um, so I thought I would read you this, this is a little reflection I had to write Uh, when I was um, studying with the Jesuits in um, Chicago, uh, the assignment was to write a paper called The Struggle in My Life Related to the Two Standards, Three Classes of People and the Three Ways of Humility. Um, And they wanted to be real clear, this wasn't about writing about what happened in your prayer time, this was to reflect on these uh, things in your life. So I'll read you a little bit of this. Uh, The Two Standards... A few days before my ordination to the diaconate, as I prepared for confession, my heart was heavy with the awareness of something that held me back from a single-minded devotion to Christ, namely the need for my father's understanding and approval. For decades, I tried to translate and recast the story of my life into terms my dad might understand or applaud. While I was in college, he said to me, I hope you are not planning to be a do-gooder when you graduate. By this he meant, I hope you won't choose a low-paying profession. (laughs) The people he admired most were wealthy, educated professionals and he hoped for such a life for me. He could not fathom how me and my husband could be so highly educated and yet make so little money while his uneducated nephews were building mansions and buying boats. It was easy to give him the false impression that we were financially secure, when in fact we were not. Until the last two years of his life, he was openly antagonistic to matters of faith. Consequently, he had no way to understand what I was doing with my life. For example, if I told him about traveling to Europe for a healing mission, I would describe it as kind of a business trip. <laughs> Very prestigious business trip to another country. I was, ver- I was forever translating what I did into terms my dad might understand, and in so doing, I entered into his way of thinking about my life. I saw myself through his worldly lens. Consequently, it was difficult for me to appreciate and honor and own the charisms, charisms I had been given for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. As providence would have it, I was making this particular confession uh, to our dear Bishop Stuart on the fifth anniversary of my father's death. Isn't that interesting? That it was uh, the exact anniversary of my father's death. Though his passing had eased the pressure I felt to justify my decisions and my way of life, I was still troubled. I was present to the fact that there was still a deep ravine, a split, a double-mindedness in my sense of identity. It was an important confession, and I received the healing, the grace I was seeking. There are other parts of this that I could read to you, but. I think it gives you just that sense of uh, that struggle that we have um, to have one face, you know, not to have one persona that we project one way and another persona going in the other direction. Uh, so my encouragement to you is um, uh, re- remember this, this work with the two standards because they will come up uh, for you again and again. All right. Um, I want to give you just a few tips sort of a little pep talk as we go into this week of prayer and I would like to uh, clue you into a few things that I think may help you get some traction as you pray first is to be aware in these very familiar stories of the disciples being called of the humanity of these men and women Um, I think we often think of the apostles and the disciples as kind of on a plane above us. Um, We think of it as kind of presumptuous to uh, compare ourselves to them. But what happens, I think, uh, beginning now and through the rest of the exercises, all the way up to the resurrection accounts, is that we become so aware of just the, the fragileness and the humanness of these men and women, whom Jesus called to himself. And there's something about letting them really be human that causes a shift to happen in our hearts. It helps us to identify with them and to start imagining ourselves in these scenes um, that Jesus would call me to himself in the same way that he called these others uh, to himself. Um, it helps us to actually enter in, in a very um, um, emotional and uh, uh, relational way into what it means to be a friend um, of Jesus. The second is to be aware of what I, um, I think is, is fairly common understanding of uh, the inner circle, right? So um, just the way organizations work, even families work most human institutions work, there needs to be some kind of an inner circle you know, to kind of make, make the decisions. And um, I think anyone in this room has had that disconcerting feeling that you knew you really weren't on the inner circle um, and that there's always some kind of circle above the circle. Um, <laughs> and I mean, mind you, I don't travel in circles of power, but I almost guarantee you there's no circle of power where they're not thinking there's someone else in 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 a circle that I'm not allowed into. Um, it's really interesting to think of um, this this group of disciples as being the inner circle, and therefore we feel like, well, they're in the inner circle and I'm not. You know that would just be presumptuous. You know, you you think of I don't know the president of your company or the president of your college or the bishop, or whatever it is, and you think, oh, if I can only be, like, best friends, and then you're like, that's ridiculous. He can only, he or she can only have so many in their inner circle. Well, this is not true when it comes to Jesus. We are actually all invited into the inner circle. Um, We are in relationship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And because he is the risen Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't have to have these like concentric circles, you know. Uh, if we were in a Catholic context, well, there's the Pope, you know, and then there's all the people, and then there's me, you know. Circle 57, you know, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God, because this is the risen Lord Jesus. There is one circle, and so you can take your place, right there in the closest circle. Um, when we get to the contemplation of the Last Supper. Sometimes I like to encourage people, why don't you just cozy up between John and Jesus? <laughs> you have permission to do that as you pray with these passages. And so this uh, week, as we, as we start to look at others hearing Jesus' call to them, we want to hear Jesus' call to us. Um, both historically, as we remember, like the only reason you're here, okay, is because Jesus already called you to himself or you wouldn't be here um, but as we enter into this imaginatively I think it helps us to actually uh, when we engage not just our like our thoughts you know oh I'm I'm baptized I'm saved whatever your whatever your parlance is but to actually have this an this this encounter with Jesus calling us on the imaginative plane it starts to um, change our perceptions of ourselves Um, If if this has not yet happened to you in the gospel contemplations, you may find that you become especially drawn to one or two of the disciples, Um, or maybe even in a a series. Um, John was really, really important to me, Uh, but there were others. Um, I felt so close to Mary Magdalene at different points. Um, And you don't have to, like, only be drawn to people of your own gender. Um, just let the Holy Spirit do that work. See where you're being stirred. Um, When we think of the call to Jesus to follow him, it's um, obviously we hit this several different times in Transformation Intensive, but this time the invitation is to the first call, not to what we do for the Lord, but to actually the call to Jesus himself. It's a call to friendship. It's a call to intimacy with Jesus. Another thing that comes into focus at this point as we start to allow ourselves to be on the inner circle is we, um, I want to encourage you to think about uh, Ignatius' audacious idea <coughs> that you can be a saint. Um, remind, remember in his story when he's recovering from that uh, injury with the cannonball, and uh, he was such a daydreamer, and he used to dream, you know, of his great chivalry as a knight, you know, uh, and then he starts to think of himself as Dominic and Francis and the various saints of that time. Um, he let his imagination go there um, to be. That, he, he, that that would be okay to desire. Um, in fact, he kind of got a little carried away, and he was like, I want to be more holy than they are, you know? And he, he eventually actually got himself into a lot of trouble that way. Um, and he, he he learned that balance that's very important, because even in this, uh, remember in, that, in that, that, that last line of the litany for humility, um, it says, you know, I, I would will that others would be more holy than I, so long as I become as holy as I'm supposed to be, um, which is that it's that kind of that kind of indifference. Um, but I, I encourage you um, to just let that, just that desire um, for that kind of um, uh, to be fully given over to the Holy Spirit, to be an intimate companion of Jesus. Um, that that desire to be um, a saint, to to be willing to let that um, desire surface. Maybe it's something that you want to even dare to write down in your journal. I I think the first time I wrote that in my journal, I was kind of like waiting for something bad to happen to me. (laughs) You know, like, can can I really desire that? I don't know about that. Um, But if that comes up, you know, I encourage you to Uh, in all, boldly, but with all humility and sincerity, you know, allow the Lord to, the Holy Spirit to stir those longings in your heart to be uh, the man or woman that he has called you to be. All right, a couple of suggestions for praying this week. Um, We've listed um, eight uh, passages. They're quite familiar about Jesus calling his disciples, and I'd encourage you to spend a little bit of time, uh, praying with each one, maybe not following to the T, the praying with scripture, but at least giving each one a little bit of time, and then choose one or two that you find most compelling, and then slow things down, and pray deeply with these passages using imaginative contemplation. Um, I think I spent like most of my time this week, I'm trying to pray like a week ahead of you all, on um, a lot on one and a little bit more on a second. So it's actually fine for you to just to go deep with these, to return to them. Um, um, I like to think of um, repetition and uh, our Chicago people who are listening in have already heard this, but repetition is not like, you know, the things that we're afraid of, you know, the vain repetitions. And that's where like, you pray a certain prayer a certain number of times for better results, uh, kind of mechanical. That's not what we mean by repetition here. By re- repetition, this is a little bit more like the way my husband and I go to the zoo uh, every year around my birthday, um, and we come kind of just with this open heart, wondering what animal are we going to have a close encounter with this year? Because um, we always go in February when there's like, no one at the zoo but the workers and a few crazy people who are, like, there in February. No one's there. And um, this year when we went, I had the most incredible experience with these two monkeys that I'd, I didn't even know they had this kind of monkey in the zoo. And because no one else were th- was there, they were so curious about us. Um, so I had, like, 15 minutes, like, faz- like this side of the glass with this monkey and he kept putting his hand up like this and I'd put my hand up like that and I could see his little fingernails and it was phenomenal. Um, but it, when I go to the zoo next time, it's highly unlikely I will have exactly the same experience. Like if I wanna go and like see those monkeys again, it'll probably be boarded up or you know something like that. <laughs> but there'll be some other encounter that I'll have because my heart is open. And so when we do that repetition, sometimes it's because we know you know, I think maybe the Lord has more for me here, or I got really irritated when I prayed with this yesterday. Um, any of those kind of indicators are an indication to, to repeat and to go, to go deeper. Um, a reminder again, just your journal will become more important now than ever. Some of the things that you write down in these next couple of months will provide uh, material for you to pray with for years to come, years to come. And so you want to capture as much as you can um, what happens, so that you can return return to those. Um, and then finally, I want to draw your attention to um, one re- resource, which is in the article section uh, on page 103. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. Um, it's it's a, it's an anonymous um, transcription of. I don't know, I've looked and looked to figure out who preached this, and I can't find it. So this is like a photocopy of a photocopy. I don't know where it came from. I, I did my due diligence to find it, but I can't. But the title is really interesting. Does God always want us to do the more difficult thing? And as you can assume, imagine, the answer is no. Um, but it it's just it kind of helps to get at, I think, some of our fears, that if I really say yes to Jesus, he's just going to find something that is the most odious to me and make me do it. Um, And, of course, it's just such a misunderstanding of who the Lord is, right? Um, But you may find that helpful. Um, All right. I think we'll um, we'll end there. I want to pray for us just uh, for a moment, and then Megan's going to come and lead us through uh, a a guided um, prayer experience. Um, Lord, we are asking for your help. We know that even the desire to pray is a gift from you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would give us uh, an an increased desire to pray and that when we feel that desire rising up, we'd have the grace to just make space for it. And, Lord, these are um, our desires, that we would have the grace to hear uh, your call to each of us and for that freedom inside to respond with our whole hearts to your invitation to friendship, to your inner circle. Thank you, uh, Lord, for um, that you are the risen Christ. Uh, that there's room at the table uh, for each of us. Amen.
3: So we're going to jumpstart you in one of these passages of Jesus calling the disciples. I'm going to guide you through it. It's John 1, 35 through 42. So go ahead and maybe take a little stretch, get settled in your seat for one more quiet contemplation. If you're feeling sleepy, stand up, wake yourself up a little bit, Um, and then just take a few deep breaths and settle yourself in your seat. close your eyes or if you like to jot in your journal through these, feel free to do that. I'm going to read slowly through this passage just to set you into it, and then we'll step back and guide you through it um, imaginatively. The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. As you imagine yourself in this story, as Val said, this is your time with the risen Christ, so perhaps you'll be in the countryside of Israel, or maybe it'll be the western suburbs. So Just take a moment to imagine yourself outside on a walk. Where are you? What's the weather like? As you look around, notice John the Baptist in the distance talking to two men. What does John look like? Is he animated, tired? If you're comfortable doing so, draw near and join their discussion. John is busy describing Jesus' baptism. Take a moment to remember your own prayer times with Jesus at his baptism. As you watch and listen, notice Jesus approaching. Does he look different from when you saw him at his baptism? How have his 40 days in the wilderness changed him physically and emotionally? If you can look in his eyes, do so. What do you notice? Are they clear, distracted? As Jesus draws nearer, notice John the Baptist's reaction to him. Behold, the Lamb of God. Does he whisper it or shout it? When you hear those words, what do you feel? Notice your body. Is it tense? Expectant? Anxious? Go with the two disciples as they leave John the Baptist and follow Jesus. Do you wait a few seconds and keep a distance? Or do you draw near to them and to Jesus as you walk with them? As you walk, notice Jesus' body language. Is he tired, energized? Now watch as Jesus turns to you and says, what are you seeking? What is your answer? Now listen to the disciples ask Jesus where he is staying. What is the tone of his voice when he answers, Come and you will see. Does he look at you when he says it? does it feel like to be invited to Jesus' house? As you walk with Jesus and the disciples, notice Andrew slip away and bring Simon Peter back with him. What is their body language? Are they excited? Nervous? Curious? Watch Peter's face as Jesus looks at him and says, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Does he look happy? Overwhelmed? Peaceful, surprised, if you're able ask the Lord to speak your name to you. does it feel like to hear the Lord say your name? What is the look on Jesus' face as he says it? Does he reach out to touch you? Lord invited the disciples to spend the day with him allow the Lord to invite you to spend time with him what does he say What is your heart's response to the Lord's invitation to join his circle? Take a few minutes to respond to the Lord's invitation in prayer, and then a few minutes to journal about this experience.